to episode 62 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast, in which we discuss the themes of well-being and sustainability in real estate and hospitality today. I'm your host, Matt Morley, founder of Biophilico Wellness Real Estate. And in this episode, I'm in Ibiza talking to Chris Connors, the founder and creative director of OPPO, O-P-O, a wellness tech studio applying the principles of mindfulness to daily life via psychoacoustics, neuroaesthetics, and awareness practices. We'll get into what all of that means in a second. Belfast-born Chris is a psychotherapist by trade. He's a leadership coach and, it just so happens, a master in Zen meditation. He's previously created projects for the likes of Prada, LVMH, Nike, Aesop, Caring, and Nethaporte. But what we really want to talk about today is things like their nature-based mindfulness portals that are scattered around various mixed-use developments in London, their multi-sensory quiet room in a co-working office that was a particular interest for me, and of course the meditative moments that they are brought in to create for guest journeys for a number of luxury resort and hotel brands. This is a reflection, I think, of how wellness tech has started to marry both a social, let's say, ESG component with giving back to the community, but also focusing on individual mental well-being. So I'll leave it to Chris to talk in more detail. Chris, this has been a little while coming. Really great to have you on the show. I'm excited to hear more about Oppo. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. So I wanted to start with a bit of context around what you saw as the initial opportunity around setting this business up. There's there's a lot of movement in the space right now, but clearly you felt there was a combination of talent and skill and potentially funding and a gap in the market that you wanted to focus on and, and go at. So what? give us a little bit of context there. Sure, of course. Well, first of all, I mean, I've been in this, uh, in the world of mindfulness uh, for 23 years now. Um, I started uh, training in Japan with... Uh, uh, with many in different monasteries with uh, monks and uh, had spent uh, many months uh, in on retreat there and started to really understand uh, deeply what was uh, going on um, you might hear from my accent I actually come from Belfast in Northern Ireland um, and grew up in a very adverse place uh, and found that meditation had a very uh, strong impact on my mental health at that time and of course i didn't have any science to support anything that was going on it was actually a very intuitive experience um so uh, at that point i realized what a strong benefit it was having for me uh, and fast forward into i guess 2014 um 2014-15 i started to see this sort of emerging trend coming through that uh, the work that i had been doing which actually had been very let's call it secretive or just very discreet people didn't talk about things like mindfulness and sound healing and these kind of words were certainly banished to sort of very very far away places um but around 2014 i uh, started to i actually created a little website called modernconscious.com which caught the eye of a lot of trans experts and it was really about how you could bring 
uh, meditation into um, into daily life through design or objects or spaces. Uh, and in that early time, um, I there was a realization that uh, people were starting to warm more and more uh, to this work. And I was teaching it a lot. Uh, and I noticed a lot of a younger generation were doing a lot more research on uh, meditation as were uh, some of the great scientific institutes like in Harvard and places like that, which were actually doing um, a lot of tests and trials. Uh, so for me, that was the early spot that the that actually there was going to be a, a kind of a, a really big movement in this field. Uh, and then, you know, I started to see some apps come through very early days, um, mindful apps. And lo and behold, actually, uh, Headspace and um, apps like Calm started to really push um, out into the world, and as you know, um, they have you know really taken a huge area uh, of the market. Um, and what I wanted to do was really look at um, how we could create something with through Oppo, which wasn't just really about um, learning to do this work, but it was actually more about the applied um, aspects of this work. Um, which means, you know, how can things like meditation uh, come into daily life and what would that mean from a daily habitual point of view or spaces that you might interact with or behaviours that you might have. So I really spotted it at that early time and we've been building it now for the past five years um, from that. Uh, and um, yeah. So did you start journey. out with a, with a business-to-business vision of partly as a way to distinguish from, say, the headspaces of the world mm-hmm. that have gone heavily down the, the B2Cs. They've really gone for kind of the, the mass market, first dipping of the toe into the world of mindfulness and meditation. Did you think, okay, well, it's inevitably there's an opportunity then to slice that market and find a mm. niche for yourself mm. within that? Mm. It's sort of, it's a mixed view of that really. It's, uh, you know, I've been a coach, um, a leadership coach in many businesses, primarily in the luxury world and often in the design world as well. Um, and through that, of course, I started to see the ailments of organizations and organizational behavior and was very interested in actually what I could do to help that from a coaching perspective. But then, of course, from, you know, learning and development perspective. Um, and I saw OPPO could really help with those with those functions. Um, the way we've approached it as a business is that we are working to build blocks through the B2B model, let's say. Our end goal is that actually anyone in the consumer or public domain can use OPPO. And we want our communities, yeah, our, our business communities to support us as a social enterprise, to create more city, certainly more urban-wide, portals, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, and initiatives that actually reach to a much wider public. And that's really our game. Uh, But we want to work through the channels of B2B um, and business communities. Okay. So I've had the app on my phone now for a month and a half. And yeah, I've kind of, you know, played around with it, tested it out a little bit. The portals bit. Let's come back to the social enterprise element, but the the portals... So they seem mm. to be in some way connected to places, uh, yes. geographies, but at the same time, obviously, I don't need to be in that specific location in order to access the content. So how do, you, how do your portals uh, fit into the overall context of the business? And then how mm. is it that you end up working with, say, like mixed-use real estate developers like King's Cross and, and Greenwich mm. Peninsula in London to develop those yes. portals? Like how, how does that fit? 
Yeah, well, actually, yeah, the portals came from our first projects, which actually were spaces. Um, we had created two spaces in central London. One was in Shoreditch and one, the other one was in King's Cross during at the uh, Cool Drops Yard, which is the big King's Cross mm. development there. Uh, we worked with Argent, who are, a fanta- of course, fantastic developers, very visionary. Um, and we made two very interesting spaces that uh, attracted a lot of attention in terms of what we were offering. They were automated spaces people could go in and have 15, 20 minute experiences. And from that, exactly when I was in King's Cross, um, I kind of wanted to find out what could we do that would actually not just be an indoor thing. Um, what could we do for people during summer or during the outdoor times where you could really wander around the city um, and stop at these portals um, and have some kind of experience that equivalent to what we were having indoors at these spaces. And so I was wanting to, I looked at this as a kind of blended experience almost between what you're really sitting looking at versus actually what are the virtual inputs going on and that blended experience actually creates the portal itself it's a very simple experience actually in the end basically the app will guide you to a park bench or a river view or some space in the city and beyond Um, but once you're there and the app will then uh, unlock uh, a guided uh, mindful practice based on the view that you have so I guide you with the exact view of things that are in front of you and that presencing experience gives a very optimal neurological quite phenomenal experience for the for, for our system and floods us with what you know with different hormonal inputs from created from neuroplasticity which is of course the great aim of any meditative or sound practice so um yeah the portals for me have been an absolutely brilliant um uh, guide for us really we want to plant as many as we can around as many cities Uh, and we're finding as people use them they're getting those true kind of stillness moments in the noise and that's what i call it stillness in the noise Hmm. uh, which is actually the real core core aspect of what meditation really is it's not just about getting calm and being away from everything it's actually about how can i be in it and be completely with it but also find a deeper stillness and connection at the same time which is a very urban experience of course and so if i may ask how does that is that a commercial relationship then if there's another developer or a location a place or a hotel that may want to develop or likes the idea of having one of the portals Mm -hmm. is that then they would sort of almost contract you or that's how how do Mm -hmm. you sort of expand the network well so yeah so opo the portals are basically a they're kind of a combination of you might call it well-being and wayfinding and the wayfinding aspect is really helpful of course for developers they want people to dwell and sit and enjoy their spaces and opo was a perfect instrument to do that so we've done that along um the the tide which is the kind of high line of london i don't know if you've heard about it in greenwich peninsula uh, we built open portals all the way along the walking area so people could dwell and enjoy and um, whether they're certain views some of them are natural kind of river views or some of them are actually just about sitting with graphics of buildings which you can actually which are actually become fascinating and um, so they really create this much more multi-dimensional experience of the space itself and of course for a developer that's always good news and you're also building in some good well-being mandates as well which mm. of course we have yep. to makes sense and then with the hotel groups i, I was interested to mm-hmm. see you know a lot of the times when i'm 
if I'm working with a hotel group, then I'm sort of more focused on the physical spaces that we're able to create. But whenever you're creating these spaces, you're always wondering, you always need to have a plan and an idea of how they're going to be used. And mm -hmm. so it's quite hard for a hotelier or during a hotel stay to get into the, the mental wellness space. I think typically perhaps a residential environment where you have just a longer time frame involved where you're able to make an impact. But that's not to say something small, uh, perhaps of a shorter duration can't still, you know, contribute to the guest journey. So as I saw that you work with hotel groups, I was trying to sort of get into that space and understand more. I saw you work with Aman, for example, one of the world's sort of leading luxury groups, or you've done something with them. So typically, how do you integrate into the a branded customer journey at a hotel or resort? Well, we started with the room first. Um, we realized that there's an opportunity to bring more 360 wellness into the room itself. Um, that's typically where people spend, we don't know exact amounts of time, but they definitely feel that that's their base, let's call it. Um, and within that, um, we've built content that people can upload um, through a QR code on the screen or some method from reception uh, where we're building menus that are really helping people while they're in the room. So um, especially things like sleep, um, stress, anxiety, uh, where we've been building sleep programs. Uh, these are the times when you can use them. Sleep programs aren't so much use in the spa. Um, <laughs> so we really went in to look at how can we create a, an augmented experience in the room based on that. Um, and then from there, we sort of worked um, out to the hotel building and sort of spa and facility. Um, so we are currently working with quite a few uh, really good hotels around um, treatments, for example, sound and some um, uh, specific relaxation treatments. Uh, we're doing a very specific sleep treatment as well in certain spas. Uh, so we expand, extend out into the spa, but also then we build portals. So, of course, we can do things like uh, we have a hotel we worked with in Santorini where reception can send um, their guests out for a sunrise guided meditation in the morning and the app will take you to the rocks and sit with the sunrise and I guide you with that moment um, straight from your room. Um, so we're creating these also these sort of elevated experiences in and around the hotel as well. So there's kind of content and then there's sort of portal creation all the way around the hotel as much as they want to constellate that. And that's a really our approach. Um, and we also do then a few products that help um, we have one called a sonic postcard, which is uh, something that um, the hotel can send to a guest prior to their stay. So something to help them along the way, whether it's a sound journey for the for the plane the plane ride or for you know transport to the destination. That we field map and can send sounds from the island or from the city or wherever they operate from, um, and then we can do a sonic postcard at the end of their journey. So the whole idea is we can also help extend. Um, and connect with the customer journey all the way along and elevate to some degree as well. Those QR codes dotted around a building, that strikes me as quite an interesting intervention. Um, does that require then a user, a resident, a guest to have the app on their phone or is the QR code itself the access to the content? Yeah, we make web app content. Uh, we have different content, private content for them. That's not on the app itself. We do have a private area on our app for um, for our guests as well, or for our partners that their guests then can use the app 
and the private area. But the whole point then with QR or any form of technology um, is that they we use web app content and they work from there. And it's really sort of a quick upload. There's no signing. It's a very quick use. Hmm. And that's the whole point of it, really. Yeah, Redu- reducing those uh, barriers to <clears throat> yeah. actually getting yeah. to the experience bit, which is what, what yes. matters. Yeah. Yes, and also a lot of hotels are trying to develop their own apps and, you know, so we tend to want to stay as uh, flexible as possible with them uh, in terms of the way we have content use. Um, yeah, and QRs are one way, um, you know, links from reception or another or whatever feels right for the hotel because aesthetically not everybody loves a QR code. So um, <laughs> um, we have other many lo- lovely, elegant technologies, but unfortunately the, a lot of people still aren't ready to use them, uh, especially when it comes to image recognition and things like that. Um, you know, before the pandemic, I think the QR code was probably not even used so much. So we have a tool that we want to make easy for people to use. Hotels are always interesting clients, I find. They're, they're always yeah. sort of keen to be on the forefront and, and to distinguish themselves, differentiate themselves. Yes. But ultimately, it's a relatively short stay, perhaps you know a week or two at most. But when you're working Max. with, say, either a residential or an, an office or workplace mm-hmm. client, I, I'm sure there, in a way, you're able to consider a more longer term or at least medium term yes. relationship, right? Where something could be yes. used repeatedly. And, and as we, we all know, it is the repetition of these acts that, that accumulatively starts to have a real impact. So the workplace wellness bit seems to me like mm-hmm. the real crux of this that I can imagine, especially with what's happening now in terms of the return to work, re-questioning the value of, of offices and sort of or on the flip side for employers adding extra value to the office experience to encourage people back in and give them a sense of um, purpose in the office and also helping them with their own uh, manage their own mental health mm-hmm. stresses concerns so what are you up to in that space and how have you perhaps a couple of examples of work that you've done in the past with workplaces or co-working offices yes sir i mean just to come to that, you know, the, the office is a new, it's a new place, you know, after the pandemic. And I think, as you say, businesses are desperate to find out ways to help people re- retain people and also uh, ensure that um, they are really offering and taking care of their people. Um, from Opal's point of view, we are, we're really focused on what you've just been saying. If someone is repeatedly using a space, then repetition and habit and habit creation and habit formation is a big part of what we offer for our business partners. Um, and we're very focused actually on the new and very strong development of science around circadian biology. And that's become a big part for us. You know, OPO is very much about our natural self and the natural world around us. And it's about that connection point. Um, and then when I say our natural self, we, you know, we have a 24 hour clock that basically guides everything we do. And we don't really, um, that is just the nature of and the law of nature itself. So what we're doing, um, specifically, we're working now with um, a global brand called Davines. Maybe you're aware of they're a global beauty brand. We've just run a wonderful, um, first step initiative for them uh, and our OPPO initiative in business is called Unplug and it's all about really showing how our brain does not operate as sort of a as in some kind of homogeneous state the whole way through the day um, and that's a very old school idea of the way we work in an office is that our brain is the same state from 9am to it is at 4 5pm and our focus is how can we 
help influence and create specific points along a journey of your day, which actually help balance or restore uh, brain state and brain health um, in order to really optimize your productivity, but also to help align to your circadian rhythm. And by doing that, great, creates great hormonal benefits, just makes you happier at work, makes you just more focused on what and where you might need to do something at what point. Um, so we're in that program right now, and it's coming off really well, we're getting really good response. Um, and that's, uh, as you said, that's good. We have an opportunity there because we obviously have a long term uh, relationship there to be able to do something impactful and effective, uh, which is, of course, something we wish to keep going with. And is that always then sound based interventions or is there a component of sound and visuals or, or being in a, going to a specific location within the office environment? How do you sort of connect with it's, the physicality of the space, if at all? It depends really on the business and their willingness to to work with space and design. Mm. Um, we are now talking to a few businesses who really want to look at the design of their office and how daily habits and habit change can actually affect design because it's never really been thought through except maybe to go to the kettle for a cup of tea or coffee and uh, that's basically the habit of the office, you know, desk and, desk and coffee. Um, but um, currently the way we offer it is it's more audio and helping people then with specific habits through the day that involve physical, mental and emotional tasks. Um, but a lot of that is about, you know, being outdoors. Uh, it's a lot about sort of light and focused light in the eyes, different aspects that involve nature really as the sort of the, uh, I guess, as much as you can do it, of course, um, nature as the, 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 the big player here for supporting the office space. Um, and within the office space, we, we're not heavy in design, let's say, but that's something I would like to get more and more involved with. Because I saw the the sort of I think like a meditation room that you created with yes. the office group in in yes. London, where yeah, there was a beautiful sort of orb shape mm. or spherical light in what was effectively a, a darkened little space. But it just struck me as interesting that they dedicated a specific area for that purpose. <laughs> so was that how did that? run on a cycle or was it constantly open and it was just a case of someone dropping in at any time or was it sort of every 20 minutes a new meditation began how do you operate that in terms of the facility itself yeah well this particular one we worked it was a more passive space let's say mm. um that being that we worked with um the architects universal design studio a really brilliant architecture practice and we worked on design from scratch of that space so it was very much about bringing down certain um certain stimuli and then upping others um different kind of sensory elevations and deprivations uh, so it looks dark and there's a lot of there's light focus um it was passive but um within there we had created a, a basically what we call a circadian soundtrack so there was uh, a track that would be playing in there. This, the room was soundproofed completely, um, which basically looked at how sound maps to your circadian biology. So when you went in, there would be a certain kind of stimulation that would be beneficial for your brain at that certain time of day. So you could go in and sit there and just absorb sound. Um, and then there was a, a color, kind of color therapy light, which was working on certain um, activations of the eyes um, and very much around 
um, what certain colors do at certain times of the day as well. That was moving and changing. Um, so that one particularly was a sort of a more passive drop-in. We had a lot, of, we, it's still open and we have a very good uptake with that. You know, a lot of time in the office, it's also about what you don't do <laughs> rather than what you are doing. And this was a real place to kind of unmind, unwork, unfocus in a way, um, and really take yourself and let your brain just have a real rest because your brain is not resting if you're jumping onto Instagram from some kind of working email. Uh, and the space is really doing a lot of good work for you for that. So it's a real drop-in space. I've done a, a number of these spaces that you know, variably called recharge rooms or quiet rooms for corporate office environments, often full of biophilia. And yes. you know, the question always comes up around you know, how active or passive should it be? Should there be a, an element of content that's fed into this space? Or is it in fact about disconnecting and having no screens mm -hmm. at all? Often we end up removing any screens. I think now mm -hmm. the content has got to the point or the availability of such high-grade content, content has reached the stage where I'm confident in saying, look, I think we can design a space that includes a feature screen, optional to have it on or off, but then perhaps yeah. tapped into an app such as yours that just you know, is, mm -hmm. is basically there to yeah. provide and guide. Because I think not everyone necessarily knows how to be in that space, right? Right. right. <laughs> you have to right have coach, coach them <laughs> in being. You know, the thing is that, you know, I, I, so here, here's the thing at a very deep level. To pr produce, to bring people into stillness, which is kind of that sort of environment, uh, can often be very... Um, it can be torture for many people. It can be actually very challenging for people to sit in stillness. Um, you know, you see people coming here to Ibiza, they're challenged by nature. It's not just suddenly you relax, you know. In fact, it can often highlight what's not going on. You know, if you, um, you can sort of see where your mind is at and that can for a lot of people be quite, quite, um, quite a thing. Um, and I suppose, you know, we have a lot of attention deficit, we have attention issues. Um, you ask someone to go and look at a sunset, they might say, oh, that's lovely, and take a picture of it and then walk away. It's not that they're absorbing all the benefits of light and sitting there really deeply connecting necessarily to their circadian rhythm, you know? So I really advocate guidance. And that is only not, that's only because I think people really need that support to help them divert their attention. It's not about teaching them how to be a good meditator, how to hold your attention on something because that is being lost on us. And uh, that for me is actually our big, some of our biggest mental health issues is where our attention is going and where we're putting it. Yeah, I think it, it answers a very real and practical point, which is you can, you can create this space and set aside, dedicate a room within a building um, yes. but you have to fill it with purpose to get maximum value yes, from do. it. Otherwise, it can just be used in other ways and not deliver. And, and that's what the office group had before mm. we did this space. You know, they were doing little quiet rooms and little sort of contemplation rooms. And, you know, frankly, they were cleaning up the rooms every day because people were going in and just eating food or, you know, all sorts of things that I won't say on the screen. But, you know, it's this is what was really happening. And, um, you know, but if you go into a space and our space in Notting Hill, which you must try sometime if you're in London, you know, you walk in and the first thing they ask you to do is remove your, remove your shoes. There's a, there's a whole guidance and a, a sort of journey all the way into your seat. It's not just that you walk in and use it and people dropping in to follow guidance is also, um, 
them being able to give up responsibility for a minute, which actually in business is very, very useful if you trust it, of course. Uh, and so I'm obviously as a facilitator, that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for is that people trust and then drop into something that I know is good for them. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I completely agree. And I just yeah. wondered then if you could talk to perhaps the slight differences and how you have to tweak the content according to whether it's, uh, you know, for example, a co-living or a residential environment or a hotel mm. guest that's just passing mm. through or someone who's at mm. work. Do you, do you take it as mental well-being and the practices that you advocate for are applicable to all of these circumstances or do you end up twisting the content just a little bit according to each audience? I wonder how much stays as sort of repeat content and how much is adapted to the specific specifics of each case. Yeah, I mean, they are, they are different. Uh, you know, in the hotel, we're really looking at sort of elevation, helping people relax and go deeper into, uh, into that sort of dropping the nervous system going down into well-being um, in a, in a, in a sort of easy and quick way. Um, whereas of course, in the office space, we're working with people and their behaviors um, and they become you know, they become manifest just by daily life. Um, and so there's a different kind of programming that wants to be an offer. Uh, in the end, though, um, you know, a mindful life is a mindful life, whether it's for, you know, a month or for 10 minutes. Um, and that's really what we're advocating. We're advocating that you can find some sort of sense of self, a sense of centering and being present. And actually in that moment, um, it doesn't matter if you've got 10 minutes of that or 10 years of that. I wish that you could have 10 years of that. Um, so in the essence of our work, there's all, it's really similar in the essence of it, but how we apply it, of course, is different because of course, usage is different and take ups different. Makes sense. You mentioned a little earlier on the idea of being, well, the concept of social enterprise and, and your, the sort of societal angle on what you yeah. do. I was interested to understand a bit more about that. It was obviously a decision you took up front as a, as a business strategy and you've baked that into your business model. So yes. how does that play out? Yes. Well, I mean, it's always been something for me um, that has, you know, I really wanted to create some kind of circularity in, in my business. It wasn't just looking at upward trajectories and curves on that level. It's important, of course, a business can grow and flourish. So I'm really into that. But I, I had always felt that, you know, this work is not only about, um, you know, just about sort of the wellness industry, you know, my, my work is a service as well. And as part of that service, I wish that it can access as many people as possible. Um, and um, I've been doing this long enough to know that, you know, not everybody, um, wants to engage with that but i would like them there to be very inspiring and easy ways for people to access so as part of our social enterprise our portal creation we have we wish to create more and more of these accessible places and spaces for people in and around the city um and actually our vision for that is is you know ambitious but we would love to be able to work with a certain amount of cities and actually our dream is to work with mayors of cities or you know, the smart city concepts where we can plug our portals into those and actually drive demand in a much bigger way. 
for people to access them and that fulfills our social mission um, so if it's a 65 year old lady in the middle of Greenwich who tried our portal for the first time and you know had never heard of meditation or any of that thing uh, but actually I saw her and watched her over a few days getting benefits from that then they're the things that make me feel like I've achieved success uh, in this work so it's giving back but in a sense without asking anything in return it's you're purely giving you often don't know who those people are i guess unless there's sort of some interconnection or the sort of the geolocator or what have you but yeah. effectively you never yeah. you never see them but you know they're there and you don't ask yeah. for anything in return you're just giving them this experience and yeah yeah we we would like that to keep happening and we ask all of our partners to help co-fund those for with us so we have a we have a fund that we always bring into our model um to help create more and more portals that's part of uh, the creation it's a bit like tree planting you know or someone said our portals are a little bit like um headspace meets pokemon which i thought was quite funny <laughs> it felt like uh you know in a way we just would like those to be as populated as they can so you know people can go to their favorite place and just sit and have those 10 minutes and you know, like I said, sometimes those 10 minutes um, in a portal are very different to 10 minutes just sitting on a bench worrying about your life. Um, that's the difference. Hmm. I like it. Let's end on that one. I think it's a, a yeah, good point to you. end on. So if people are interested in following along, finding out more, obviously mm -hmm. the website, we'll link to that in the show notes. What about social media? What are your preferred channels? Yeah, opo.app is our social media. Um, you can find us on there. Um, and also on my own Instagram, I'm always um, connecting about it as well. That's at Christopher Connors. Um, but generally, our website will have updates as well. They can sign up for our newsletter. Our newsletter is very popular and we, we love writing them. So, um, yeah, people want to sign up. They can get it on the website. Great. Well, listen, thanks for your time. Right. It's been fun. Not at all. It's been great talking to you, Matt. Thank you. Take care. Bye.